One of our goals for 2021 is to help as many people as possible overcome their financial fofu. So we've got a big favour to ask. Please like, rate and share our podcast. The ratings make our podcast easier for others in need of a little financial backup to find us. We also love a little bit of feedback. So tell us the bits you love and any bits you don't and send through any topics you'd love to hear more of. Thanks all. Welcome to today's episode of the Financial Fofu Podcast. I'm Trudy Cowan. And I'm Sarah Eiferman. And today we're going to have a bit of a chat to you around the different types of advisors yeah. that are out there in, mm-hmm. I guess, the finance well, world. Well, yes. What's an advisor though? Well, an advisor is someone that you go to to get advice from. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. It's usually a professional service. <laughs> Sorry, they, Sorry. It's a business that offers you a service-based yes. um it's not really a product, but it's a service based on their years of experience in providing mm. really advice is mm. the service that they provide. Mm. They may do consultancy. They may do some form of origination for you mm. as part of that service, but primarily it's advice. It is. It yeah. really is. So today we're going to run through, I guess, a few different types of advice, but just to give you a bit of a feel of who we're going to talk about today, yeah. we're going to talk about financial planners. Um, we're going to talk about brokers and there's a number of different types of sure, um, brokers that we'll run through, yeah. um, accountants, yeah. um, and bookkeepers. So mm-hmm. they're probably the ones that we'll, that we'll focus on today. So maybe if we start with financial planners, yep. Special so services. yeah, financial planners, they're the ones that you go to for invest, investment advice. Um, if you've got a self-managed super fund, you would go to a financial planner, um, wealth advice. So it's really, you go to them and say, I've got this money. What do I do with it to make it grow? Yep. Wealth investment mm. creation strategies you know, are primarily their kit yeah. and caboodle. And it might be that you go to them saying, um, this is how much money I have at the moment. These are my loans. Yep. I want to get my kids through private school mm-hmm. and I want to have this much money in my super when I yep. retire. How do we, what's the plan that we put together yeah, they do retirement to sort of planning, get there? Aged care management, hmm. um, depending on the financial planner, which yeah. is this whole episode is, depending on <laughs> um, and yeah they definitely look at those ranges. they might also do the insurances in case something went wrong so yeah. personal risk insurance mm. is a financial planners yeah and, and there'll be some financial planners that'll just specialize in certain things so there might be a financial planner who only deals with self-managed super funds yep. that's just what they do and there'll be others that only want to deal with people in a certain age bracket because that's their mm-hmm. speciality or that only want to invest in certain types of products. So it really depends on your circumstances as to which, I guess, financial advisor um, is going to be right for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you want to look for in a financial planner? Number one thing is they need to have an AFSL yep. license. So that's Australian financial services license. Yep. Um, if they don't have one of those, they're actually legally not able to provide you that type yep. of advice. So first thing to check is... You can check the asset yeah. register to see if they're listed on an AFSL. And the way that these professional services licenses work is that you may have a head license mm. and then you may have sub licenses underneath. So they might might be an authorized rep of an AFSL or they may actually hold in their own right a direct accredited license with ASIC. Yeah. And I guess in terms of payments, some of them will have set flat fees, others you'll pay a percentage of earnings depending on yep. what's been invested in. Um, so it can come in a range been, of forms. There have been some changes to the way financial mm. planners get paid over the last few years with um, some of the, the different legislation that came in. And so you'll mainly find that they're fee for service now. Mm-hmm. They don't work on commission okay. in majority of instances. 
Um, insurances still do pay some commissions and that gets, you know, fed off the balance of maybe what you owe. But as you said, it's either a flat fee or it's a percentage-based service and it may be a once-off fee or it may be ongoing. Yep. So it just depends on the type of advice that you need moving forward mm. um, and where the responsibility is going to lie for the growth. So if they're doing all the management works for you and you just sit back and watch your money mm. grow, then um, that's usually something that has uh, an ongoing service fee attached to it. Yeah. And look, a financial planner might be someone that you see once or twice just to get a plan in place, have a bit of a discussion around your money and get some comfort that what you're doing is the right thing. Yeah. Or they might be someone that you see over years and you keep seeing the same person because they are doing that ongoing management I mean, for I think, you. I think that is a, an important point to mm. go with any of the different types of services that mm. we're talking about today is it's really, for me, about building relationships yep. as opposed to transactional natures. Yes, your advisors will change mm. as your needs change and your personality changes, but it's about really trying to build long-standing, long, you know, longevity yeah, long term. in your relationship with those advisors because I think that's where you end up getting the best value yeah. um, than if it's just transactional by nature. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, if we move on to brokers. Now, brokers mm. is a very general, term. very general, yeah. very broad term, and there's a number of different things that can fall under there. So we can have a mortgage broker, yep, a finance broker. Yes. We could have an insurance broker. General insurance. Or you yeah. could even have a stock broker, so someone yep. who's buying shares. Yeah. On your behalf. Or so, you could have a stockbroker. Or you could have a stockbroker who buys you cows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. definitely. <laughs> that was my confusion. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, broker is a general term. Mm. All it really means is someone that acts as an intermediary for mm. you and the institution, usually speaking. So mm. you're the client or the consumer. They act as the go-between or the originator for um, the service that you require from an institution, whether it's lending, whether it's shares, whether it's an insurance company for general insurance. General insurance is home, car, contents, business, mm. workers' comp, um, PL, so public liability or yep. professional indemnity insurance. So not specific personal insurances that a financial planner looks after, mm. but the more generalized nature is how they're defined um, as different insurances. So. Mm. Yeah. So Sarah, you were a mortgage broker and are now a finance broker. So I have changed the terminology. Tell um, us what they are. What's the yeah, difference? For, for me, I changed the terminology because I now focus on commercial and asset finance mm -hmm. and not mortgages. Okay. And there is actual changes that have come into play with legislation brought in by the best interest duty where mortgage brokers are clearly defined as those that provide advice for residential uh, mortgages mm -hmm. and therefore they are bound by the best interest duty clause. Yep. That's not to say that finance brokers don't act by best interest as a practice, as best practice, but they're not legally bound in the same way that residential mortgage brokers are. Yep. So that's, yeah. Um, it used to be sort of a term that was interchangeable depending on how the person related. Yep. Um, so the individual person and how they felt about what they did and what they wanted to be called. But now there is actually a legal definition that goes with it. Okay. And so if I'm looking for either a mortgage or a finance broker, mm -hmm. what sort of registrations and things like that should I be looking for? So similar for? to the financial planning industry, uh, we have what's called an Australian credit license. Mm -hmm. And you can be a representative or a credit representative of an Australian credit license. So it's an ACL or an, um, a credit rep yep. of an ACL um, is how it's put together. 
and we're listed on ASIC in the same way. You can do an ASIC search and search your rep in exactly the same way. So qualifications wise, mm. um, something we didn't actually talk yeah. about for financial planners, we can go back to that. Yeah. But qualifications wise, you need a minimum of a certificate four in financial services, um, mortgage brokering yep. um, as the, the class classification. And you need to be a member of uh, an industry body. So it either needs to be the MFAA, the FBAA or CAFPA is the primarily asset finance and commercial mm-hmm. industry body um, that goes with that. And you need to have PI insurance. So professional yeah. indemnity insurance to a minimum of $6 million. And having professional indemnity yeah. insurance is something that's really common to all of these professional services. Professional services yeah. If, you know, yeah. um, most of the industry bodies within these types of services mm. re- mandate it, require it. Um and as a professional, we would have it anyway. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's just part and parcel of providing a professional service, yeah. especially where there's a license. Yeah. To to get what's called your accreditation, so your ability to originate mm. or introduce, you need to have the insurance because the consumer, the lender needs to be protected. Yeah. I mean, you are providing advice. Mm. We have been providing advice for many years. That has now been formally defined. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's always been a requirement for the insurance that goes with that Yeah, from that side of things. Okay. Let's jump back to the financial planners just quickly in yeah. terms of their education requirements. Look, there's some changes going on in that space. Mm, definitely and, big changes. Um, it was called FOFA, the requirements of FOFA to pass the FOFA exam. I believe the government's disbanded FOFA and moved it into... Phasia. Phasia. Mm. Um, I think not sure, I'm not sure what it stands for, but I know no, it's Phasia. Phasia was disbanded as well and it's oh, moved really? into Finstra now, perhaps. So oh, anyway, goodness. don't quote us on that, but they are pushing financial planners to be degree qualified. Yes. Um, whether a degree qualification overrides years of experience mm. is the always ongoing argument. Yes. Um, if you've been a financial planner for or a mortgage broker in exactly the same range, we look at financial planning mm. as like the older brother or sister that we mm. see our industry <laughs> heading towards. Yep. And the argument for us in, in broking, you know, in credit is that I don't have a degree in credit. Mm. I've got a degree, but I don't have a degree in credit. Does that mean I should no longer be able to give advice that I've been giving and have product knowledge for almost 20 years worth of experience? And so this is unfortunately the situation that financial planners have gone through. So I wouldn't necessarily say that their qualification Mm. is the issue, but again, to make sure that they're a member of one of their professional bodies, um, they have a range and there's even a union that you can be part of. The financial Mm. services union, FSU, um, is another option too. So just checking because... Mm. It's required yeah. to have your accreditations and it's the same in their space. It and and any advisor would be quite happy to share with you what their qualifications are. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Qualifications and experience, yeah. main important things. So I believe insurance brokers, yes. in general insurance, they have had to fulfill certain parts of the compliances mm, of I think they have, yeah. the Insurance um, Act. Mm. I believe it is AFSL, same as financial planners, but they don't need the full kit and caboodle yeah but don't quote me on that one so again you can do a search on those you can ask them for their accreditations or ask them Mm. for what their needs are but i would say it goes back once again with any advisor is to your ability to connect with them and feel that you can trust them and their advice it's that's interesting you know having a new clients come to me saying that they didn't feel comfortable speaking to their previous advisor and i don't understand how you can take advice from someone if you're not comfortable talking to them because the reality is with any of these types of advice you're handing over a lot of personal information yeah 
Um, so you need to be comfortable with the yeah, person that you're giving that information to. Be able to understand the information. That's one mm. thing that I often was told. Nobody's taken the time to explain this to me before in a way that I that you've explained. Mm. I will explain things 12 different ways until you get it. And yeah. I'll sit with you until you get it because it's your life. It's really important. And if you, you don't understand. get it, I haven't finished my job yet. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's ethics though, right? <laughs> True. True. And interesting enough, most of us probably have an ethics component to our membership bodies and stuff like that as yeah. well. We've got certain ethical requirements yep. that we do need to uphold yep. confidentially. Yep. Confidentiality Is requirements. One, privacy, restraints, all of the other things that go with yeah. what would, we would see as just standard method of operating, right? Mm. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Not at all. No. Nah. So the next big category are accountants. Yeah. <laughs> That's me, I guess. Yeah. Um, look, there's lots of actually, there's actually lots of different types of accountants around, and, and not everybody realizes that most people think of an accountant and they think of tax. Yes, that's true. Not all accountants do tax. Nope. Um, but let's start with tax because everybody knows that one. Mm, certain um, thing in life, right? Yeah. <laughs> For an accountant to be able to give tax advice, uh, they need to be a registered tax agent with yep. the Tax Practitioners Board, and what that that's actually in Australia. That's in Australia. Yeah. And what that actually means is that I've um, proven to the tax practitioners board that I have the relevant um, education and experience to be able to advise my clients as well as having the appropriate insurance and ongoing education um, in place. If your accountant is not a registered tax agent, they cannot legally provide you with tax advice and they cannot lodge a tax, prepare or lodge a tax return on your your behalf behalf in Australia. Um, So that's one really important element of being Mm -hmm. an accountant. to get the relevant education to be a tax agent, you need to have at least a degree in accounting um, with certain subjects that have to be um, included within yep. um, that degree. And then there Mandatory. also needs to be an experience yep. um, element. Is that almost like an apprenticeship, would you say? Well, it's not necessarily an apprenticeship as such, but you need to have worked, yes, with another accountant doing yep. tax. Yeah. Um, for a certain number of years Um, and when I got my registration I even had to get um, someone that I had worked with to write me a reference basically saying that I had done the appropriate um, qualifications that they believed I was experienced enough and so forth and that person had to be a tax agent that was vouching for me yeah you know so there's a lot that goes into getting credibility um, professional registration that qualification yeah but there are other accountants that don't want to touch tax Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty. Um, there are accountants. There's a there's a growing group of accountants that call themselves um, virtual CFOs. Yep. Um, so basically, for a business, they will do all the aspects of a of, chief financial of a chief officer. financial officer. Yeah. Um, without literally sitting as an employee yep. in the business, so they could be doing things like your budgets, your cash flows. Um, they could be um, just looking at day to day bookkeeping type. Mm-hmm. They do more than numbers and accountability stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's a very growing group of, I guess, accountants. Um, there are others that call themselves management accountants um, and they're, again, are focusing more on the day-to-day aspects. They might be a bit deeper in the um, the bookkeeping side of things or if you're a product business, I guess, the costing and those sorts of elements yeah. um, of your business. So depending on exactly what you need um, as to which... I guess, type of accountant is right for you. Um, To be an accountant in general, there's no actual specific qualification to hang out a shingle and say, I'm an accountant. (laughs) However, um, most of us would have at least a diploma. Um, Even more of us would actually have a bachelor's degree in accounting. 
um, the pinnacle of us have gone and done either our um, chartered accounting mm-hmm. or our certified practicing accountant courses and would be members of the, those respective I think it's quite shocking CACPA bodies. you don't actually have to have a formal qualification to be an accountant if you're not doing tax. Yeah. And I think the audience would probably feel the same way. Yeah. So I think it's important to, um, I guess, check your accountant's qualifications. If they yeah. are a member of an industry body, um, there are... There are minimum education requirements to be a member of that body. So if they are a CA, a CPA, um, NTAA, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole range of different bodies. Um, But most likely, if they they are a member of one of those bodies, then they do have appropriate um, qualifications because they would need them in order to um, get in with that body. Pretty much all the professional service industry Mm. bodies, they have minimum education standards. They have minimum experience standard, and they have ongoing professional development requirements to to maintain. Yeah, uh, registration with them. And look, the other benefit of an accountant being a member of one of those bodies is that they do check up on us and they do yeah. audit what we're doing to yeah. make sure that we're providing advice that's appropriate and accurate to ensure that we're meeting ethical standards mm-hmm. um, and that we're dealing with our clients' information in an appropriately confidential yep. manner. Yeah. Um, and in this world as well, making sure we're meeting certain data security mm-hmm. um, compliance requirements. Requirements. So look, if your accountant isn't a member of a professional body, I would be asking them why. Yeah. Um, because that membership does really um, give you a little bit of comfort um, yeah. over both the qualifications and, and how that accountant practices. 100%. Last one on our list are bookkeepers. Yeah, and it's look, interesting. It changed a few years back, didn't it? They're linked in a bit with um, accountants. Mm. Um, what is a bookkeeper? So at a basic level, a bookkeeper is someone that keeps your financial books. So they're the ones that say you've paid petrol, that's going to go into the fuel category. You've had a sale, that so makes sales. in the ledger sales. of your accounts. Ledger of your accounts. When you're running your business. Yep. That's what they do. They manage and maintain and distribute within that structure. Yeah. And they may also assist with like your payroll yep. um, and other aspects um, like that. What about a BAS statement? So the GST elements of your yeah. books can only be handled by a registered BAS agent. Yes. So similar to your tax agent, they need to be registered with the Tax Practitioners Board. And as with um, brokers and so forth, we can be searched on the tax practitioners boards. So if you want to check someone's registered, there is a searchable um, function in there to find us. Yeah. Um, so a BAS agent doesn't have the full authority uh, or full capability of a tax agent. Um, they can't prepare your income tax and so forth. What a BAS agent is eligible to do is to deal with the GST yeah. um, aspects. Okay. So they can actually code the GST within your books. They can prepare a BAS. Legal requirement, right? It's a legal so requirement. That's why they're required to be. And registered. more recently, um, there are aspects of superannuation that a BAS yeah, agent okay. is allowed to assist with now, which makes sense given the payroll function a lot of them um, yeah. undertake. Yeah, the changes to single. So look, payroll. a bookkeeper that doesn't have a BAS registration oh. is very limited in what they can actually do. Because legally, they can't actually go to your books and say you spent $55 on petrol, 50 of that is the expense and five is the GST. Well, they're not actually allowed to even if, make that distinction. That's if they contract to you though, right? What about if they're an employee? If they're an employee, you, they don't need to be registered. Registered. It's only if you're outsourcing and But then I suppose it comes up. down to the quality potentially yeah. based on qualifications, once again, of what you're getting. Again. So um, a bookkeeper... Um, would generally have a cert four or a diploma 
in bookkeeping um, as their, um, I suppose, education. But you would also be wanting someone that had a a reasonable number of years experience um, working within a bookkeeping role um, to be comfortable that they knew what they were doing in, in terms of the the appropriate coding and so forth. I think that's super important. I mean, Hugh and I both have discussed this many times in the past where um, clients, business clients have had perhaps a bookkeeper that hasn't had the knowledge or experience yeah. and then they've been they've come across to you and mm. then there's been a whole lot of work that's needed to be done to rectify their business books yeah. to get them into a real position that really reflects where their business is at for legal mm. reasons, potential future borrowing reasons and even for business sale. Yeah. And, and I think it's an area that people can try and go cheap on because they think mm. it's easy and anyone can do it. It's not. It's a um, skill. It is a skill. Yeah. Um, and going too cheap often means you end up paying more to your accountant when yeah. they're doing the books for yeah. your tax at year end yeah, anyway. Completely. So, I mean, I think the theme of today mm. has really been around knowing what your advisor does yeah. and what you should be looking for in an advisor. And once again, it always comes back to... A connection for, for me, it comes back to an ability to connect with that advisor, yep. trust that they've got the advice and knowledge, and also see deliverable outcomes that they do what they say that they're going to do, and you get what they said you were going to get. Yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Hopefully, that's given everyone a little bit of insight into different types of advisors. We'd love to know your thoughts. Yeah. And if there's any specific questions you have on the different types, shoot happy through. To, yeah, Leave us shoot a message. Through. Send us an email, however it works for you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I'm Trudy Cowan. I'm Sarah Eichmann. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Financial Fofu. We really appreciate you tuning in and hope that you have subscribed to our channel. I just wanted to let you all know that the information and material in our podcast and any supplementary and associated information available is for general purposes only. It should not be taken as constituting professional advice from us, the podcast owners and our special guests. And we recommend that you seek independent, suitable advice that is specific for your unique circumstances. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. Please, please, please send us, um, use our link and send us any requests or any feedback. We'd really appreciate it. Cheers.